Welcome to our latest podcast, where we are looking at the latest state of play on Pillar 2. My name is David Beutel, I'm a partner in the Freshfields tax team in Munich, and I'm joined by my colleague Lea Barai, who is a principal consultant in our EU regulatory and public affairs team. Hi, Lea. Hi. So, David, Pillar 2 is still a hot topic, and there are a lot of political developments happening across the world on it. We will today look at the state of play in the European Union, also in the United States. But maybe uh, to start, you can tell us what the OECD is on this. Yeah, thank you, Leia. So, the OECD is obviously still optimistic on the future of Pillar 2, although they're actually losing their main figurehead of the project, Pascal Saint Armand in November who's going into consultancy. So currently at the USCD level, we have the model rules and we're expecting to see the implementation framework by the end of this year. This will then reflect um, the outcome of the various discussions that have been going on at the international level. And obviously looking at the European Union, uh, they've already published the draft directive back in December of last year. And uh, yeah, talking about the European Union state of play, what's the status there, Leia? Yeah, so the EU is actually struggling to reach the required unanimity on this proposal. First, Poland has been opposing the proposed Pillar 2 directive for months. Now it has lifted its veto, but it's Hungary which is now holding out. So in the meantime, we have seen five EU member states, namely Germany, France, Italy, the Netherlands and Spain, who have pledged to go ahead regardless of whether the EU implements minimum taxation via a directive. So now it's a bit early to know whether this statement is more than just you know, a way for these five countries to put pressure on, on Hungary. But what is clear, though, is that these five member states represent major economies in which many in-scope multinationals have substantial operations. So as such, these five alone, they may create the critical mass needed to incentivize more countries to, to implement Pillar 2, particularly if you are the UK, which has already published draft legislation under income inclusion rule. Yeah, and talking about putting pressure on Hungary, Paolo Gentiloni, the EU commissioner on taxation, he's actually reiterated that the commission will, quote, uh, use all the legal and political means at their disposal, unquote, to push Pillar 2 forward. On a related note, already the United States have also basically upped the pressure on Hungary by serving notice to terminate the tax treaty between the US and Hungary. But the last ECOFIN meeting again didn't yield any results on Pillar 2. So what do you think will happen next now? Indeed, Pillar 2 was not even on the agenda of the, of the last ECOFIN uh, meeting. So it remains to be seen if an agreement can be found at one of the subsequent meetings of the EU27 finance ministers. I mean, you quoted the commissioner and what he didn't do really is commit to any firm timeline. He just said that, you know, a solution will be found by the end of the Czech presidency, which is pretty much the end of this year. So in any case, what's likely is that, you know, the serious negotiations will be done behind the scenes. The French presidency, which was in charge before the Czechs, has put this proposal on the agenda of ECOFIN 
at least three times without getting a successful result. So we should expect the checks to only present it in ECOFIN when they are certain that an agreement can be supported by every single member state. Understood, yeah. But let's assume for a second that this doesn't happen during the Czech presidency. There have been rumors going around that the Commission may resort then to the, let's call it the nuclear option, which is the so-called enhanced cooperation procedure. Under this procedure, basically the member states that support Pillar 2, so basically all the member states but Hungary right now, they can actually implement the directive, leaving aside then the dissenting jurisdiction. Do we expect that this is something that's seriously pursued should Hungary persist on their veto here? Well, it's hard to say uh, because the only precedent on using enhanced cooperation in taxation in the European Union so far has been for the financial transaction tax, the FTT. And this has never led, as you know, to any concrete results. Wasn't a success story, yes. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, indeed, there is still no FTT at EU level. So it's not a very positive precedent, let's say, to for using enhanced cooperation. That said, I mean, using this procedure, that's no doubt one of the options that the commissioner hinted that they're looking at when he referred to all legal means at our disposal. However, it's also good to note that procedurally speaking, you know, there are a number of steps that would need to be taken by the member states, by the commission, before they can actually use it. So at this stage, it might rather make things more complicated, really. But that said, if there is no agreement by the end of this year, in my view, at least, this option might well become more, more serious. But what's interesting, I think, in any case, is that the commission continues to be, you know, to be willing to take the lead on the implementation of minimum taxation at global level. The taxation commissioner, indeed, when, when he was talking the other day, he said that if the EU is able to have a leading role on Pillar 2, it will be helpful for partner jurisdictions at global level to follow suit. And that, of course, brings us nicely to the other big player on this issue, which is the, the United States. Yeah, and the United States, I mean, on the one hand, as I said before, they have increased the pressure on Hungary at the international level by terminating the existing tax treaty. On the other hand, at the domestic front, so to say, Pillar 2 implementation in the US obviously didn't work in the framework of the Build Back Better legislation. And therefore, President Biden has instead now signed the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes an alternative minimum tax of 15%. So already the term alternative suggests that basically this isn't really a Pillar 2 implementation. It has some similarities with Pillar 2. But at the end of the day, it's unlikely that it will be seen as Pillar 2 compliant. For example, it doesn't follow a country-by-country -country approach, but a worldwide aggregate tax base approach, the application thresholds are also different, and so on and so forth. So I think it's still very much uncertain whether we will ever see any actual Pillar 2 implementation passing Congress in the US, also now obviously in light of the still upcoming midterm elections. Therefore, the US influence on the global success of Pillar 2, I think, is still very elusive, so to say. So whether we'll end up with more fragmentation at the end of the day or actual harmonization within the international tax framework is, uh, I think, still a question that's very much in the balance. And it will depend on whether 
as you said before there, uh, whether we get to the critical mass of major jurisdictions participating. So right now, I think it's still very, very difficult to predict when the new world of corporate taxation will materialize and what it will eventually look like. So I guess it's really likely that this won't be the last time that we talk about Pillar 2 here and on the relevant state of play. For further information on Pillar 2, you can see our dedicated web pages on freshfields.com and you can listen to our other podcasts on our usual podcast platform. Thanks, Leah. Thank you, Danny.